At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. the cryptid keeper podcast the podcast for cryptids and their keepers that's us and if you're listening it's you too i'm alex flanagan i'm addison peacock <laughs> how's that intro working for you <laughs> i mean it's doing what it always does pretty much that's the dream i strive for consistent inconsistency here <laughs> i like that it's a very solid uh very self-explanatory statement about your brand about your personal mission in fact as an artist I think it says a lot. And speaking of personal missions, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, we have an announcement to make. We do! Yeah. Do you, sh- should you want to tell the good people or should I? Oh, how about you do it? You're the one who brought it up. <laughs> well, that's only because I'm the first person to talk. So this is something that like we've sort of been going back and forth on, I guess, for a while. Um, not necessarily this specifically, but You know, as with many podcasts, there's always the question when you're making independent art of whether or not to keep that art independent or whether to become affiliated with someone or something. And uh, throughout our time making this podcast, we've gone back and forth a few times on whether we were interested in or looking for or wanting to pursue partnering with any sort of podcast network. And there are dozens of them out there. And for a while, we had sort of, you know, opted out of doing so because we had come to enjoy so many of the things that we talk about frequently in our episodes, specifically the, you know, the last couple we've mentioned, like, you know, being able to stay small and connected with everybody. But we were recently approached by a podcast studio that we, um, that we really like a lot. And so we have decided to enter into a partnership with Lunar Light Studio, which is a really, really lovely little podcast network that we are now very happy to be a part of. We're members of the Lunar Light family as of this episode, so make sure to check them out and check out all the other podcasts on, I guess, what is our new home in the sort of pod sphere. It is. I didn't know if you had anything more to say about that. (laughs) Oh, no, I was just expressing excitement. (laughs) Okay, great. Uh, But yeah, so Lunar Light Studio is home to a number of other podcasts. The sort of mission statement that they're after is just, you know, really supporting indie art specifically from voices that maybe don't get to be heard so much in the podcasting community. Um, So we are really, really delighted to sort of join up with them and see where our collective futures as artists take us. But it's a great group of people making some really, really fun and enjoyable little little products. Uh, The the Good Boys Girls is a podcast on that network. So is um, Storyboard and Whatchacallit. There are a few others as well. But they're great, and you should definitely check all of those out. Give them a listen, because, you know, me casa su casa and all that. And me podcast, su podcast. Su podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it's not. It's not your podcast. It's our podcast. Yeah, so don't get any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> don't get any ideas. But yeah, very excited about this new development. Excited to start working with some new friends. <laughs> I like friends. Don't we all? Question mark? You'd be surprised. I don't know what that means. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, it's a new chapter. Yeah. 
Planning some weird energy in this space today, huh? Um, you know what else is full of weird energy? Jeff the Mongoose. <laughs> what a great segue. Yes, but no. Uh, also, the what I've brought with me this week. So, I said before we started recording that the creature I brought with me this week could be, I could potentially pitch as seasonal. They're really not. Like, they're definitely not. But the the line of logic that i would follow to to claim that they were would be if you'll if you'll follow with me here uh would be it's according to you and many like you christmas time already yes um absolutely yes and christmas time involves a lot of different uh, a lot of myth mythology a lot of creatures and uh who works for santa claus me performing unpaid <laughs> No, performing unpaid labor for which they should unionize. I am doing all sorts of emotional labor on behalf of Christmas. You should see my mentions, but... Oh, no. (laughs) I am referring namely to the elves. Naturally. So, taking the elves as our starting point and spinning off in a wildly different direction. Oh, gosh. Okay. uh, Do you know about... uh, Do you know about El Duende? I do not. Tell me. Okay. So... El Duende is essentially um, a version of... It's an elf-like creature. It's sort of an elf gnome little trickster. It's uh, primarily... It's coming from Latin America. And I'm going to dive right into El Duende right now. Um, But... Please do. Uh, the artist's rendering on the first page that I have, like, in terms of my sources, is, like, a little creepy bearded man crouched with like a little like classic garden gnome hat on uh and pointy elf ears so that's the the image i carry with me about one day so what you're saying is he's killing it oh yeah looks amazing very uncomfortably long toes i don't like the length of the toes so i would like to yes i would like to leap in um with an article from alcation.com, which sounds like a vacation owls take, but this is mm-hmm. by Dean Trailer, and this is um, like uh, talking, the, he's a writer in education and creative writing, and this is a little bit, a little essay called Good, Evil, or Mischievous, The Legend of Latin America's El Duende. Um, it starts to talk about sort of how El Duende is a little bit of a boogeyman, like figure. Ooh. So it's like um, <laughs> the sort of there's a sort of fictionalized mother like the way that this essay starts saying like just a mother would tell her children before they go off to bed like say beware he's out there waiting for the right moment El Duende will take you away in the middle of the night to his cave in the middle of the forest he'll keep you there and no one will know because you'll be deep in the forest where nobody can hear you scream oh my goodness <laughs> which is definitely a thing that you want your mother to say to you uh, yeah, that's like. According that's to wild. this legend, this elf like creature dwelled in the forest or lived inside the children's oh. bedroom walls. Oh, I see. There are two different versions too. There's some. There's a lot of um, like we find with stories that are and ideas that are sort of um, coming from a large region. There's a lot of mm-hmm. variation depending on the country and even depending on like the region within the country. So there's a lot of fun variations, a lot of fun and funky flavors that the story of El Duende comes in. Um, well, snap me off a piece of that. So there are a few things that could happen uh, if he shows up. Maybe he'll lead the child deep into the forest to his cave, or maybe he'll come out of the walls to clumsily clip a sleeping child's toenail. Who amongst us has never? (laughs) 
<laughs> um, you remember when you were little and going to slumber parties and, you know. <laughs> it's a prank. It's like a fun prank. Now, here's the thing, though. There's, like like I said, and like the title of this piece might imply, there's a lot of variation on what this figure is, what he does. So you have the an alternative version that people describe him as like a helper, like uh, the way you talk about maybe like like a helpful like elf friend. Now, are the people who usually have this opinion people who don't like clipping their own toenails? <laughs> no, this is different completely. Um, it's no, there's a version essentially saying that he is a good spirit who protects lost hikers, children, and, and animals lost in the forest. If you're lost, he will guide you to safety. Oh, I like that. Yeah. He gets a lot of attention, yeah, because he could be... He's sort of, um, there's a lot of variation. There's, there are people who think he is overtly evil. There are people who think, who, versions of the story that say he's overtly good. And then there are versions that sort of place him in that fun sort of middle ground where a lot of fae live mm-hmm. when you hop over into, like, Irish folklore, um, where he's just kind of, like, doing his thing and maybe he'll play a joke and, like, don't make him angry kind of thing. So he's just all over the place. And this particular article also dives into a lot of different of the different variations on El Duende, a lot of different uh, explorations of what it might mm. look like. Specifically, there's a little section right here, and this is why I wanted to start with this, that is the real El Duende, according to cryptozoologists. So Ooh. they have a couple different citations. So the website BigfootEncounters.com states that people in Belize were talking about an entity called Duende, um, D-W-E-N-D-I, the name derived from the Spanish word duende, meaning goblin. And Mm -hmm. that site goes on to conjecture that the duende or el duende is different from another famous cryptid, Bigfoot, some sort of small, like, ape-like creature. The site claims the writer Michael Cremo first detailed the eyewitness accounts in a book entitled Forbidden Archaeology. He included writings from Ivan Sanderson, who is a research who collected the accounts from... Now, this is a quote. Dozens of men of substance who worked for responsible organizations. Mm-hmm. I don't have any more information than that on that part. Oh, that's okay. Um, that's all we get, I guess. Okay, um, fine. But Sanderson wrote in 1961 that a junior forestry officer had described in great detail two of these little creatures that he had suddenly noticed quietly watching him on several occasions near the foot of the Maya Mountains. Now, the size doesn't match up with the descriptors, but the features of it do actually do match something uh, an existing animal and i'll let you guess i'm going to describe it um described having heavy shoulders long arms brown hair and flat yellowish faces uh long hair on the back of the neck and back and the comparison that a lot of uh, a lot of these writers draw is to a spider monkey oh okay yeah however (laughs) They're described as being three to four feet tall, which, if you know anything about spider monkeys, are not that big. Um, Here's another thing. If you don't know anything about spider monkeys, the name is really misleading. Oh, it's it's incredibly misleading, Alex. Thank you for calling that out. It's mostly just a monkey monkey. (laughs) (laughs) It has... Actually, it doesn't even have eight arms. Yeah, like, why is the spider part even in there? Surely they could have named this thing differently. Also, you should know that according to uh, the Sanderson Sanderson's writings, uh, some eyewitnesses who saw the duende in Belize uh, claimed that it wore or carried uh, dried palm leaves arranged like a hat. Like what kind of a hat? Do we get to know any more about the haberdashery or? No, I have no more details about the hat. I'm very sorry. <sighs> I am 
I'm trying here. I'm reaching and you're offering me nothing. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. Um, now, according to Sanderson, El Duende's origin is the Iberian Peninsula, where he started as, like I was saying, magical being who either did good or bad, most often was mischievous, sort of morally ambiguous and gray, like likened to uh, fairies, goblins, leprechauns, like classically that sort mm-hmm. of middle like way uh most notably he was three feet tall wore a big red hat and clothing made from animal hide and as mentioned before he lived either in a cave deep in the forest or somewhere in the walls of a child's bedroom Uh, you know either one you know the two the two places you want to live so he also in this economy (laughs) he whistled usually while strolling through the forest as lesson as legend has it if one were to hear him whistle, they had better get out of the forest or be lost in it forever. <laughs> now, credit where credit is due. Some mm-hmm. people will be lost in the forest forever even without El Duende's help. <laughs> no, it's true. In fact, whether the forest be literal uh, and you're someone like me with very poor sense of direction or that forest <laughs> is metaphorical. Perhaps the forest of your mind. Perhaps a forest oh. of one's own creation. But... Um, continuing, like, the evolution of the the story of El Duende, uh, as Spanish and Portuguese colonists uh, expanded their empire and did what, colonia- what colonists do, which is not great, but the story spread to these areas that were colonized by the Spanish. So it spread to, like, Latin and South America, the Philippines, mm-hmm. and Guam. And so variations on the story pop up in all of those places. So depending... And then depending on where the stories are told, the what he does changes. So uh, there is some specific breakdown geographically of where he has certain traits. Guam and Belize are the areas where he's, his story says he's straight up evil. He kidnaps children. In other places, he's a protector. In other places, he's not protecting kids, but he's a guardian of the forest and like nature specifically mm-hmm. and keeping the animals in the forest safe from like wrongdoers. Oh, I his like phys- that. Me too. That's like a little bit uh, like Princess Mononoke or something. Um, but he had some physical features added depending on the areas. He has a cane or a long beard. Also, in the Belize version of the story, he has no thumbs. Oh. Children in Belize, the legend elaborates that children can escape from El Duende by hiding their thumbs in the palm of their hands. This will trick him into believing that the children are related to him. Ah. <sighs> Uh, it's like, no, it's me. I'm uh, your cousin Marty. Uh, you just like see him and you're like, wait, dad? <laughs> um, okay, so this brings up a question that I have uh-huh. that I have had for a few minutes. I forgot okay. to ask earlier what it was more relevant. Um, so sometimes this, this com- well, this, this comes up a lot actually in our episodes. Are we talking about like a creature, an entity, or are we talking about a population? And that's where we get into some debate. I don't know. Because here's the thing. Mm-hmm. When it's referred to in, like, the children's stories, it is like, there is one guy. There, there's this one little guy. This little, like, elf guy. But mm-hmm. there's also all these variations. And it's also, it's it's sort of what we run into with El Chupacabra. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it appears so widespread geographically that it wouldn't make sense for there to be only one. Right, right. But it is discussed as if it is, like, this one 
thing. But but not always. Like it has popped up. Actually, I was going to say there is a Disney Channel show called or Elena of Alvador, which had an episode about El Duende and had them had more than one. Like had them like a species. Oh, okay, cool. So I've seen it referred to like it's this one guy. I've seen it referred to like it's a species. I think it's more commonly in terms of like the more recent stuff I've seen, like when people report sightings and stuff, referred to like it's a species, like it's the goblins. Because Duende means goblin, right? So it's like... Right, totally. Instead of the goblin, it's the goblins. <laughs> but I, it's a good question, and a question that I'll answer you by saying this, unfortunately, a thing I say a lot, which is, it depends on who you ask. Oh, it usually <laughs> does. I just think it's fascinating. Like, mm-hmm. I want to believe it's, like, a population of them, just because one thing that I hate, which is kind of a fantasy trope and has been for about as long as fantasy has been written, is the idea that, like, and I feel like we talked about this really recently, the idea that certain populations are, like, inherently good or bad or tricky or helpful. And I think it's much more realistic to believe, like, there's a bunch of little goblin guys, and some of them are great, and some of them are jerks. Mm-hmm. It is a lot easier to believe that. Some will help you in the forest, and some are just kind of the worst. Yeah. Also, there is uh, not an explanation of this artistic rendering on this particular article page, but one of the drawings of El Duende has his feet on backwards, and I hate it so much. Oh, no. I think it's part of uh, how he's meant to like get people lost if you follow his footprints they're going in the wrong direction because his feet are backwards oh i get it yeah Yeah. um and so there's an artistic running actually i'm gonna drop this particular image in the discord because i want you to see it oh and then i'll have it saved okay good Um, yes ruin my face with it of him and it's him leaving those like fictitious like incorrect footprints as he walks essentially oh goodness See what i mean that's el duende hanging out leaving not only are they backwards they are like very big a lot they're like some big hobbit feet. But yeah. Yeah, but I I I was more looking at the sort of toe structure. Oh, I mentioned his horrible long which toes. Which is spindly. Yeah, no, it's just horrifying to see. Yeah. It's just rough. It is. It here. is rough. We're out here just doing our best. They're so veiny. I know. I would like to hop over to the demoniacal.blogspot.com. Mhm. Uh blogging the demons, monsters and mysterious creatures that allegedly haunt our world. And this uh, has a little bit more of a specific sort of dive into them as a species. This is duendes. Okay. Duendes are small. They are 18 uh, 18 inches up to three to four feet tall. They are human-like, humanoid. They have no thumbs, uh, dress in animal skins and furs, and wear a strange wide-brimmed hat. They are... Oh, like like the hat is the strangest part of this. Like, that's the strange part. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, what's, what is he wearing? But they're gnome-like beings found in legends of Spain, Portugal, Mes- Mexico, Central and South America, and the Philippines, like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the lore. This has some other takes that I did not see in the other articles, so I wanted to talk about the lore here. It gets a little bit darker and a little bit more uh, in-depth. So the legends of Duendes vary from region to region, like I said. Some believe they are the souls of unbaptized infants, which is something you get in a lot of folklore, and I don't, and I do know why. But that comes up pretty much any area where you have like a lot of Catholic influence. Mm-hmm. If there's like a small demon or small creature, there's like someone who will interject and be like, maybe they're the souls of unbaptized babies. Uh, <laughs> 
that's like a weirdly specific thing to just throw out, you know? That's like when that's like when you're watching House and like they come in and they're like, well, I guess it could be this obscure disease from the 1700s in the rainforest. <laughs> mm, I think maybe you have Kuru. No, yeah, exactly. But they can be either good or bad, but the good ones are never truly good and the bad ones are never truly evil. Just like people, I think. Like, that's me. Man. I added the just like people. That was just me. This... Oh, okay. That was just me trying to make it make a pithy, a pithy comment. But they have a habit of tormenting people. Now, it's usually like in a lot of fairy stories, people who have accidentally destroyed their homes or killed animals that belonged to them. So it's usually because they've done something perceived as a slight in a lot of the versions of these stories. It's like, well, you, you did something rude, so I must do pranks. They're dedicated tricksters. They love to play pranks. They love to steal. Sometimes they return the objects they have stolen on their own. That's just borrowing. That's just borrowing without permission. <laughs> yes, I also saw that SpongeBob episode. So they're also, if you ask for the item politely back, sometimes they'll give it back to you. Just give it back. <laughs> Which, you know, manners get you pretty far. Uh, it's believed That's if true. you ask for it back politely, they'll return it. Now, not necessarily the evil ones. That's more like the classic version that's much more sto- steeped in, like, fey lore. But... Uh, then there are legends of duendes that are like a lot more specifically evil, uh, killing farm animals, destroying property, and kidnapping and eating children. So, in so that escalated very quickly. It sure did. In 2008, reports of a duende terrorizing an Argentinian town hit the media. An alleged film of a duende was recorded by a teenager named Jose Alvarez in a city of Guimis. Alvarez and his friends were, were recording, speaking, when the camera pans to the distance to see something wearing a cone-shaped hat do a little dance. Alvarez claimed that his friends and other residents of the town were so frightened of the duende that they refused to go outside after dark. The video may be a hoax. It was covered. Um, the video may be a hoax. Uh, the duende was also covered in season two, episode five of the series Monsters and Mysteries in America. A segment of a family was driven out of their Porterville, California home by a gnome. Oh. Tammy Thomas and her grandchildren moved into a new home. Unfortunately for them, a duende was living in a small shack behind the home. <laughs> the creature was described as a living garden gnome standing about three feet tall with a long gray beard, having evil little black beady eyes and sharp pointed teeth. The duende would awaken the family at night by the noise of it running in the grass, rummaging through the trash, and breaking stuff. The duende would even peek in the windows and frighten everyone. Eventually, Tammy Thomas had enough of the creature and moved her family out of the house. Understandably so. And then another one uh, from the site is, in 2010, a woman named Charlie Thomas and her family moved into the same house. Charlie and her family were not aware of the experiences of the previous family, but Charlie's family soon began reporting frightening encounters with the Duende as well, and they too eventually moved. Weird. Yeah. So I guess don't, if you get an offer, like a really cheap house to buy in Porterville, California, don't do it. (laughs) Now, Correlation does not imply causation. I know this. But correlation does imply living garden gnomes. It does. Now, I haven't found this in a lot of other places, but according to the demoniacal.blogspot.com, according to some legends, duendes may be able to shapeshift and make themselves invisible in case you wanted them to have more ways to mess with you. Also, if you would like to know how to defend against them... 
there is a lot of contradictory lore in terms of survival tips. Many people mm-hmm. claim that holy water and religious items have no effect on them, but other people say you can use a rosary to keep them away. And then some people say that the things that keep away fairies in European lore, like iron, will work. And then other people say they're not fairies, so it's not the same, so it won't work. So I guess just like guess. <laughs> so basically, they're just like kind of people, and certain things work on some and not others. Yeah. Also, um, a fun bonus accidental uh, sighting um, just from the comment page of this blogspot entry from December mm-hmm. on December 5th, 2016, Carol Harris commented on this blog entry and said, Years ago, we stayed in a hut in Belize close to the Guatemalan border. In the middle of the night, my friend wakes up and sees this small figure floating above me. He said its face was red with a very large nose and feathers coming out of its head and it had sharp, pointy teeth. Very strange. That's the whole comment. Oh, I see. I just saw that. I didn't see that earlier when I was looking at this page. I scrolled to the bottom to make sure I didn't miss anything, and then I saw this comment just now. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we didn't miss out on that one. And uh, these pulled from some of the uh, discussion on this uh, page pulled from a uh, website called fromtheshadows.blogspot.com, and they had a three-part entry called Terror of Evil Little Man, and it was about, like, the one day and other little, like, I'm, like, I'm not gonna, it's a lot broader, so I'm not gonna, like, dive into that oh, right okay. now. Yeah, but cool, though. I would love to, yes, I would love to hop over to another over here. This is somebody in Dublin, Texas, who claimed he witnessed the death of a duende. Uh, oh, this is oh? true horror stories of Texas.com. Oh. So this is a first person account, so I'm just gonna read it straight. Um, I'm not gonna attempt a Texas accent because I think that that would be unpleasant <laughs> for me, for you, and for anyone listening. But I will try to maybe inject some character into the performance. <laughs> um, just give us sort of like a hint of Texas. I've never been to Texas. I don't know what a hint of Texas is. Is it barbecue? Is it just like barbecue sauce and a little shot glass and I just do a little shot of barbecue sauce and that's my hint of Texas? I just want I just want as much Texas flavor in this as you would expect fruit flavor in a particular branded sparkling <laughs> beverage. <laughs> All right. I won't hear any LaCroix slander in my house. But okay. So I swear it is true. I witnessed the death of a fairy. In August of 1969, we were living in the town of Dublin, I'm sorry, Dublin, but do you Texas. know who you sound like? Who? You sound like Liberty Bale. No! I witnessed the death. I'm not even doing that strong of an accent. I was 16 years old at the time, and my brothers and sisters and I were working in this huge lot where a house used to be. We were clearing all the weeds and garbage. Yeah, now it's happening, you're right. I'm going to stop that. Mm -hmm. This lot had an old wooden fence that bordered the whole area. It was noon, and under the shade of the only tree in the lot, we took our lunch break. I was sitting with my back against the tree, eating my sandwich, when suddenly something jumped through an opening in the fence down at the other end. It ran toward the center of the lot. At first, I thought it was a rabbit, but on second glance, it was a small person around one foot tall. I'm not kidding. It had arms, legs, and a head that was wearing some kind of helmet. It was smiling as it ran. (laughs) Oh boy, here we go. Well, that's unrealistic. Unfortunately, in this town, there were a lot of stray dogs. 
and there were four big dogs sleeping in the middle of the lot that woke up immediately as soon as the little figure came through the fence. Just like that, they started chasing the strange creature all around the lot. The poor thing was zigzagging, trying to keep a lead on the dogs, which it was. This little guy was fast. Its legs were like a blur. All of us were thinking the same thing at the time. We were hoping it would get away. All it had to do was head back toward the opening where it first came through because the dogs were way too big for that opening. Then this thing, this fairy, still smiling, turned around and started heading back toward that part of the fence. I was thinking, all right, it's going to make it. And as it got closer, it made a leap toward the opening, but its aim was slightly off and it hit the fence. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Which, I'm so sorry, I'm only laughing because of your reaction. It's awful. Oh. Which knocked it unconscious because it just fell oh, to the ground. No. <laughs> the dogs ate it. Oh, Hi, I'm El Duende and welcome to Jackass. <laughs> yeah, the dogs ate it. It's, <laughs> it says my poor sisters were traumatized. My brothers tried to make a dog drop a piece, but the dog in one gulp swallowed it. I'll never forget it. It really <laughs> happened. I swear it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. That's so much. It's a lot. That is wild. Can you imagine if your cat just, like, dropped a gnome on your doorstep? <laughs> oh, no. Like a real one, not like a garden gnome. No, no, no. I mean, like, a very real, like, formerly living. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's rough. Wild. Yeah, I would like to hop over to MysteriousUniverse.org, a frequent feature on the show. A couple fun stories out of Argentina about El Duende. And so the the actual piece, like if, if you want to read it, is just called Scary Encounters with the Evil Gnomes of Central and South America. And it has the same kind of backstory I gave previously. And then it hops into some specifics from Argentina. So interestingly, mm -hmm. Argentina has been the source of quite a few rather frightening encounters with evil gnomes. Just a great sentence. In 2011, uh, Suncho Corral in Argentina experienced a wave of sightings and encounters with a duende that was apparently pretty malevolent. It had the big pointy hat, big elf ears, and was blamed for a series of at least a dozen vicious, unprovoked attacks on children and the elderly walking alone at night, um, which the entity purportedly shoved, kicked, and punched. Whoa! Terrible. Like, very rude. Very terrible. Yeah, extremely rude. It was reported that the mystery creature knocked kids off of their bicycles. That's so mean. Yeah, that's... The police were flooded by so many complaints that they declared a state of emergency and asked people to not go out at night. So, um, Oh, no. And then that eventually did pass, but for a time it was not great. Then, also from Argentina, um, in the town of Santa Fe in 2011, uh, a couple noticed that their son, Benjamin, their young son, had been behaving strangely, playing and talking to himself at nap time as if with an imaginary friend. Um, one day in January of 2011, the child's mother, Sylvia, noticed him acting weirdly in the hallway and talking to himself as if someone were there. She claimed she had decided to videotape the behavior out of curiosity, and that was when something very bizarre happened. She says she noticed a shadowy, skinny, humanoid creature with gray skin run across the room behind the boy, as if trying to avoid being detected as she filmed. And I actually, uh, came across... The footage, like, I have the footage, and this is one of the things I'm going to tweet out, because there is a video, and it is a very interesting little video. She claimed that whatever this was exuded a really horrible stench and produced electrical interference with the camera, which can be seen in the footage. It does that, like, crackly thing. Mm -hmm. And then, besides that encounter, they said that there seemed to be more than one of these in their home. 
and their son frequently played and talked with them. Oh. She said that they didn't appear to be hostile, but the stench was terrible, and then they would emit a blood-curdling scream at night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They released the footage in 2014, um, and there's a lot of debate about if it's real. Uh, There's a commenter on the footage named James Nelson who analyzed it and gave his opinion on the footage he said the shadow of the creature is a single strong distinct shadow that remains clear and distinct even as the shadow comes close to the leg of the table which has no discernible shadow at all plus it looks like cg motion not natural motion small light creatures don't move like that it's just physics of the situation mass weight increases with the cube of the height it's running with the gait of a full-sized human so there are some some critics (laughs) <laughs> some critics yeah, out there. Yeah, there are some unbelievers out here. Who will tell you that that's not legitimate footage. Um, there's also, this one is not from Argentina, but it's featured in this same piece. There is a case, one of the most bizarre cases of all in recent years, according to this article, was in 2016 in Nicaragua, who a, where a woman claimed that she was kidnapped by duendes and kept captive in a cave for five days and six nights. Oh my god. By these little creatures. She claimed she was out near her home in Monte Oscuro, Nicaragua, when a group of the menacing little entities appeared and took her up a hill where they put her into a cave. According to the report, her family sought advice from a local witch and were able to locate her. So... That's apparently these gnomes or goblins are a very serious problem in the area with one local saying, currently there are many of these creatures living in San Silvestre and in Peordicho, in Monte Oscuro and in La Gualapa. There are a lot that live in San Silvestre and around it. They stay away from the church and they also exist in other areas nearby. In San Jose, they live in another hill there and they communicate from hill to hill. Oh, okay. I thought there was gonna be like, no, nothing crazy. It's just the whole, the amount, the, the way that this person spoke about like, oh yeah, they're in this area this area this area they like this hill they don't like the church like it's when people describe creatures like this and their existence in an area in such a mundane way it always fascinates me like the way that this person's just like yeah they're in this part this part this part they don't like the church they like these two hills and then they yell back and forth from these two hills like okay (laughs) amazing i also have an account i have a lot of accounts actually of these i'm not gonna like i don't know I'm not even going to be able to, this is, this is one of those creatures that this has happened to me with. I'm not going to be able to even like cover all the stuff I found because there's so much of it and it's all so interesting. I love when we have that problem. No, me too. Usually the problem is like, this creature is reportedly the most sighted in this area and no one talks about it. Yeah. (laughs) I found eight pages that all have the same paragraph. No, totally. And let me uh, hop to the next one. There's another, there's one in Mexico. Uh, one give an account given by Jasmine R, who recounted an encounter that her mother had in Mihuacan, Mexico. According to the report, the mother and a friend had decided to sneak into an abandoned house at the corner of a street, which is always a good idea. Oh yeah, Natch. As this is the description of what happened next. They opened the door, and while she was telling me this story, she had goosebumps all over her arms. This is, of course, Jasmine recounting her mother telling the story. As they were walking around, they hear a noise and instantly turn. They see a small little human about half a foot in height. They screamed and it startled the creature, so the creature screamed as well. She said that it had a high-pitched scream, just like one of Santa's elves would be. That's such a wild pull. But just scarier. It started running really fast around the whole room. Their eyes followed the gnome as it made at least three laps around the room until they didn't see it anymore. It just vanished. 
After processing what had happened, they ran out of the house and never, ever returned. They were too scared to even walk by the house to get to school. They never told anyone. They thought that no one would believe them. She says she will never forget the terrified face on that small creature. <laughs> I feel bad because it sounds like both parties involved were traumatized. Yeah, seriously. That's like worst case scenario. Yeah, it's no good. I have two more reports actually from this same article and I really do want to share them because I am very, uh, they're very good. I want to give a shout out to MysteriousUniverse.org. I find so much interesting stuff on Mysterious Universe, like just the wildest. It's a uh, lot of fun. Yeah. And they also, I, I can also tell you some of their, their sources, but um, let me, uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I, I actually opened another tab and I had forgotten that it's some, a lot of the same sightings, but I had forgotten that one of the other places I went to, StrangerDimensions.com, uh, had a header that said, Gnome Sightings on the Rise, and that made me laugh. Ooh. But, but it was a, it's a lot of the same sightings. There is a lot of overlap between sources with sightings on this. It's just that there are also a bunch more that I've never even gotten to see mm-hmm. or like never even really gotten to. Um, but here, I have a couple more. Here we go. Here's one that comes. This is a report listed on the National Cryptid Society website, but it's also featured in this piece. But if you're wondering where it's from, the National Cryptid Society. Uh, this comes from Tampico, Tamaulipas in Mexico where the witness claims in 2003 he was out with his little brother and cousin playing basketball around dusk, a few blocks away from his grandmother's house. So as they were playing, the witness went to catch a ball that had bounced off the hoop to keep it from rolling into the street. And so then he noticed a creature lurking in the shadows. So here's his description. It was like a little person, no bigger than two feet. It had the face of an old man with a fairly large nose and old ragged clothes that looked like they were handmade, and a hat, sometimes like a garden gnome would wear. One of those pointy hats, but it wasn't straight up. It hanged down to the side. And it was crouched down, almost like in hiding. When I got too close to it, that's when it stood up, looked at me, and ran away from me. (laughs) Believe me, my first thought was not to chase it. I was scared stiff, but my cousin and little brother saw it too and ran. When it ran, it was headed for the other side of the court. I couldn't believe the speed of this thing. For it to be so small, it made it to the other side in mere seconds, almost the blink of an eye. It ran behind the post, and it was gone. I snapped out of it and started to run home as well. As I ran past that same post, this thing ran behind. I turned to look and see if it was there, but it was gone. When I got home, my little brother and cousin had already told the adults there what had happened, and they told us that these creatures are called duendes. I feel bad for the ones in the last couple stories because they don't seem like they're doing anything except getting startled by giants. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's just kind of like you're hanging out, you know, in the house where you live in the walls, maybe. And <laughs> you live in the walls, you next know. Next thing you know, some normal-sized large boy comes along and, like, just totally, totally wrecks up your whole day. It's like, it's not good. I feel like the second one just wanted to play like some pickup basketball because clearly they're very good at maneuvering around like in a space. Like, I feel like he could have been an asset to the team. He's very fast. Oh, so good. Yeah. Clearly he's so fast and can be invisible, maybe. Like. (laughs) Duck and weave, baby. Duck and weave. Yeah. Maybe he just wanted to play some sports, but I guess we'll never know. I guess basketball really is a tall person's game still. That's pretty sad. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you'd like to believe that it's open to everyone here, that the game is, you know, the one last remaining sort of vestige of 
global culture where we can all come and truly be equal on the blacktop, but mm-hmm. you know, it's just not meant to be. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna tap like I'm gonna top this off with a report of a less sympathetic Duende. Because the last two, oh, the first one got scared in his own home by burglars from his perspective. And then the second one just wanted to play basketball and then was frightened. But here's one sent in. Um, this was on the website Darkness Prevails, oh. in which a witness describes an encounter from 2017. The witness claims he had been at a party with six friends and they had been chatting in the backyard. This was in Mexico as well. Uh, it doesn't say where in Mexico. They had been chatting in the backyard of the home as the party wound down and people started to leave. He stared off at another house and noticed something move in the shadows, which at first he thought it was a cat. And then he realized it was not a cat. He's, this is his description now. I'm going to, this well, is me everything in life, to be fair, is either a cat or not a cat. Cat or not a cat. Exactly. Uh, he says, it looked like a dwarf, but really short and skinny. I yelled at my friends and we all just stared at it. That's when one of my friends started running towards it and told us to catch it. Now, that is not great. Um, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, maybe We all not. started running towards it, and it ran. We were all chasing it, catching up to it quickly. We were all jumping over each other until finally my best friend caught it by its leg, and we were really up close, and that's when I saw it. Now, this is creepy. I, I, I do actually still feel bad for it because they did chase it, but this description is quite creepy. It had no hair and a very veiny head, really pale too. And I saw it's all black eyes and its mouth that, well, I thought it was a mouth, he says. Ooh. It, it had sort of these like, it, he describes, he describes it like stitches, but when he describes like the fact that it can open its mouth, it sounds more like it's got like membranes, Ugh. like little like membranous strands over its I mouth. I yeah. love that. No, I don't like it either. He says it sent shivers down my spine, my friend held it in his right hand by the foot. It opened its mouth, and it bit my friend on his chest. He oh. let go of it, and it ran off under some fences. My friend was groaning, holding his chest. He wasn't bleeding a lot, but whatever it was left him a huge cut that will probably turn into a scar. Yeah, that's rough. Spooky, spooky. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were not going to love the body horror. Um, and you know what? I also don't love the body horror. I mean, it's fine. You know what I really don't love? What? I really don't love the idea that this thing tried to, like, bite on the chest. That is, by all accounts, the least practical place to try to bite. I'm assuming when he says chest, if he was holding it up by its foot, I'm assuming he means, like, the side, probably, but, like, on the torso. Maybe. Just thinking, like, you know, I I know you're small. I know you're being restrained. But, like, go for a limb. Go for something you can wrap your mouth around. Don't just, like, sort of shove yourself up against a flat surface and try to get a tooth hold. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, that's no, that's very true. I have, just to wrap up, a little breakdown according to ParanormalEncounters.com of how they are in each region uh, that they appear in, which is fun. Um, But those are all of my sightings because there's a lot of overlap. I'm sure there are probably more sightings out there, but like I said, there was a lot of stuff that I did Mm -hmm. not get a chance to get to. But I would like to just finally, um, we did make it through all of my sources, but not through like, I didn't get to read as much on him them this thing as I would have liked to probably probably but here's a breakdown by Andrew no last name oh none okay on June 3rd 2014 about the mythical Alduende so uh this also brings up the fact and this would explain some of the variation in the sightings the descriptions all of their behavior um that sometimes it's considered an umbrella term the same like for like the same way fairy can be an umbrella term 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, totally. So that there is, they're probably not all the same, if they are real, which they are, they're probably not all the same species. There is probably variation, not just from individual to individual, but probably some of these are like, maybe like actually little like forest demons or something, or like, and maybe another, like one of these really is a goblin. Maybe they are gnomes or whatever. And so that's something to keep in mind. But the, these are some of the places where the word appears. It appears in Portuguese folklore, and that's used in Portuguese folklore, it's used that way. It's used to describe goblins, pixies, brownies, and leprechauns. The specifically, they're believed to be of small stature. They wear big hats and they whistle a mystical song walking in the forest. Using that talent, they're believed to your, to lure children to the forest, causing them to lose their way home. Sort of like a pied, kind of a pied piper thing. Okay, I get it. Yeah. So then in Latin America, you have some uh, more variety. There's some people who believe that they are helpers who help people who get lost in the forest so they can find their way home. In the Central American country of Belize, particularly amongst the um, country's Afro-Caribbean-descended populations, they're thought of as a forest spirit called Tata Duende who lacks thumbs. That's where the thumb one comes in. Oh, interesting. And then in... The folklore of Mexico, and then by extension, the American Southwest, because a lot of that was Mexico, and then we took it. Um, but anyway, uh, duendes are the no that's the garden gnome look, and they're the ones that live in the walls of homes, especially the bedroom walls of young children. This is the one they attempt to clip the toenails of unkempt children, which is like a helpful thing they're trying to do, but it says often leading to the mistaken removal of entire toes. Ooh. Sorry. Ooh. Oops. Is that where the thumbs went? Oh, maybe. They were just trying to cut their nails. No! Yikes. They're also known for taking stuff, like just stealing like little items and stuff. They have also been able to barter with the mother of young children so they can take the child and have them to eat. That's just a direct quote from this website. Oh, that is a lot. That's not great, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Then also, uh, Chamorro people tell stories of uh, duendes and other spirits. Duendes, according to the Chamorro English Dictionary, um, is a goblin, elf, goat, or ghost in the form of a dwarf, a mischievous spirit which hides or takes small children. Then if you hop over to the Philippines, they believe in duende, which frequently live in rocks, caves, old trees, and uh, dark and unvisited parts of houses, or in anthills. And if they live in anthills, they're called Nuno Sapunso, which means old man of the mound. And then they are categorized as either good or evil, it depends, and often play with children. Play with. (laughs) So that's like, those are, yeah, some of the variations. Huh. Okay. That's the duende. I don't know, man. It's just a... it's just a very weird little guy. Look, it sounds to me like the Duende is maybe going through some stuff. Maybe. Some days able to hold it together. Other days just really needs to get some toes. Really needs to get some toes. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you know, you're trying to exert control over something. You're trying to just trim the unkempt nails of the world one child at a time. And Alex, I think you're projecting. I think maybe that's true. Because <laughs> um, I understand a little bit wanting to feel a sense of control and order in this crazy mixed up world. But also, you can't just cut the toenails of strange children. Apparently, you can't stop at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, Alice. 
<laughs> I do want to go back because that page did mention it, and I want to go back to my favorite survival tip about Elswante. The only one that's clear, and even then is only in one area, but is that you should put your thumb in your palm, hide your thumb, and pretend that you're related. Pretend to that them. you're related. I know it is really wild. It's my favorite thing because it it, it it's the it's like the sort of thing you would do to get away with eating the food at a wedding you crashed, <laughs> but you're doing it to save yourself from, like, peril. Yeah. So instead of being like, no, 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 I'm your second cousin, Beatrice, don't you recognize me? I knew you when you were a baby. Oh, these shrimp. Instead of that, you're like, oh, wow, hey, I'm also a person with only four fingers. I don't Whoa. have thumbs. Same. Same hat. Yeah. We must be alike, you and I. Perhaps you should not kidnap me and take me into a cave. And side we note, we are the same. I don't know what they do to the people in the cave. No one will tell me. Do they eat them? Do they just hang out like in like a lot of like the fairy stories where they like take people and the people are just like at the parties until their little human bodies can't sustain it and they die? Like <laughs> what are they what's going on? Beats me, man. That is wild. But you know what? These aren't your Santa's elves. I'm glad. Get it? Like, they're not your grandpa's elves? Yep. No, I'm just saying, if these were, like, the Christmas boys, I'm not I'm not sure that's so good. I'm not sure that's a good fit for everybody. What do you think Christmas would be like if these were the Christmas boys? Um, hmm. Well, it's hard to say, because I don't know... Like, if I think if they're good... They give you back, if you're good, they give you back something that they, that they took from you earlier in the year. <laughs> and <laughs> if you're bad, they cut off your toe. <laughs> they cut off your toes. Yeah, that's okay. And if you're, if you're good, you get like candy in your stocking. And if you're bad, you get other kids' toes. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, it's so much worse than coal. Yeah, it's way worse than coal. <laughs> Like, especially in today's market, uh, coal can be, like, potentially, like, useful for, you know, selling. I'm not saying you should, because, you know. I was gonna say, can we talk for a minute about, like, what a weirdly utilitarian swerve that is? Like, oh, you were bad. Here, you get fuel. So, like, maybe try contributing to your family instead of tearing them apart, Johnny. <laughs> Be a good child this time around. Help your family stay warm in the winter times. But, exactly, I actually think it's a much more effective effective punishment to receive a stocking full of toes. <laughs> but maybe a little bit less progressive. Because the cold thing maybe is like, hey, listen, Santa knows you've been acting out and we're wondering, are things okay at home? Are you cold? Do you have, like, a fire to go home to? Like, See if this oh, helps. <laughs> I never considered that. That might be what the coal's all about. Also, now all I can remember, and this is going to be a weird place to sign off, but this is this is the kind of I don't know if you saw the person who tweeted at us. I loved it. Who tweeted at us with their uh, with their Christmas skeleton? Uh, yes, I did. It was very good. Halloween and Christmas can coexist, and the story I'm about to tell you explains why. I'm just remembering very vividly because we taught you said stocking full of toes. I said it. I repeated it a bunch. I'm very sorry to all the people with that mental image now. Yeah, just seeing it, but. There was this, like, Grimm's fairy tale comic that was in an anthology, like, a larger anthology. I had this anthology. I think this is the right one. It was called Beware, and it was an anthology compiled by R.L. Stein, but it was, like, not for the Goosebumps audience. It was, like, for slightly older. It was, like, for, like, teenagers mm -hmm. and, like, older, slightly older kids, like, tweens. Um, and it had a bunch of short horror fiction in it. And then it had one that was a comic, like, a little, uh, little like, from a comic book. And it was a Grimm's, uh -huh. it was, like, 
called Grimm's Fairy Tales, but it wasn't like classic. It was like a new thing. And it was, and I think it is an actual real fairy tale, but essentially about this, like, if I'm not mistaken, this like, I think he's a king or a lord, something. And he, if I'm not mistaken, promises like riches to somebody or like, or no, there's like a man who's like poor and begs him for help. Uh, and is like, I'm trying to give my family a good Christmas, uh, and I just would love it. Like, if if I do, if I do like something you want me to, will you fill my family's stockings for me this Christmas? And then I feel I don't know if he's a king or a lord or whatever. And he's like, oh yeah, sure. And and then I don't remember the details of the story, but he betrays this this guy and he refuses to help him after the man has like done his work mm-hmm. for him. And then it's implied that Santa Claus, in a benevolent act toward the very poor, very kind family, um kills the rich guy and chops oh him my up God. and puts them in this puts him in the stockings and it ends with like and so he did fill their stockings after all yo that is wild oh it's so bizarre it's like santa is like an avenging demon of christmas but that's what we it, need that's what we deserve yeah i i don't remember i wish i could remember the middle bit of the story instead of just the beginning and the ending but i remember the line the like and so like he did uh, like fill their stockings after all uh yes. and so that's yeah it's, it's a lot uh, i read it when i was like what 14 anyway so christmas is coming up yeah next month and uh so i hope this was a fun sort of transitional story to take us from the halloween times toward the Christmas times, because you know what? In other words, it was the November of podcasts. Yes, exactly, because we are in, now is the November of our discontent. So, (laughs) you know, because you know what, Alex, life is too short. I think we should bury the hatchet and really uh, allow our holidays to coexist. You're right. It's the Christmas spirit. Christmas skeletons and Halloween (laughs) trees for everyone. (laughs) Bless up. And that, I think, is really the lesson I'd like to leave you all with today. I think that our friendship can coexist in that one beautiful, like, tiny slice of Nightmare Before Christmas where he's just in the forest and there's the doors to all the different holidays. Oh, yeah. Like, not the part where he sort of goes, like, wild with power and not the part where, like, everyone's all Halloween is the only valid holiday. Like, the part just where it's in that one shot in the woods. That's it. That's the good that's the good scene. Or like just maybe like the scene where he first stumbles into Christmas Town and he sings that fun song about all the pretty stuff about Christmas. What's this? That's fun too. What's yeah, this? I've seen the movie once, oh. so I wasn't gonna try to get into oh, the detail. He sees but. snow and like lights, and he goes, he sings the song. What's mm-hmm. this? Where yeah. he's singing. What's this? What's yeah. this? That's yeah. that's that. That's where we're at. It's good. Okay, that's good. I like it. It's before. Please don't make me explain Christmas to you. I'm not going to. I don't, Alex. This is not a Hallmark movie, and I do not need you to teach me the meaning of Christmas. <laughs> I do need you, you don't need- to promise me that when I get home, we'll watch A Christmas Prince 2 together. <laughs> Bold of you to assume you could leave without <laughs> us watching Christmas Prince 2 together. We're going to start a prestige podcast where we just watch as many Hallmark movies as we can stomach once a year. Oh, it's good. I A Christmas Prince 1 was really a pretty great movie. I think the sequel's going to have a lot to live up to. <laughs> Um, no comment. <laughs> so anyway, I hope uh, I hope that you and whoever has been listening to this has enjoyed the strange, chaotic energy I brought with me today, and all these varied and wild stories of little gnome guys either having a good time, having a bad time, or making someone else have a bad time. Those are like the three major aims in life. So <laughs> you're not take it where you can get them. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I would just like to a reminder uh, to and big thank you uh, to our new home at uh, Lunar Light. Yeah, you can check them out at lunarlightstudio.com, L-U-N-A-R-L-I-G-H-T-S-T-U-D-I-O.com, or on Twitter at uh, LunarLightHQ. Go give them some new follows, you know, help out the fam. And yeah, just keep spreading the love around, because we've got a lot to give, and we hope you do too. Mm-hmm. And as I've heard musicians say before... Love is all you need. <laughs> I didn't trust just, myself. You know, musicians in general. I didn't want to just cite heard... the Beatles because so many people have covered that song, Alex. It's true. But anyway, so on that note, as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there.